welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and this week I am bringing you a review of the Misfits album Collection One. I don't know what it was actually titled, if it was just Collection at the time or what, uh, because there was a second collection that came out a little while later. Um, quick backstory with my history with the Misfits. Um, I don't remember if I told it before or not or how in depth, so I'll just go into it again here. Maybe this is the first time you're listening to the show. I don't know. Um, Metallica had come out with an EP called Garage Days Re-Revisited. They suggested you only pay a few dollars for it. And even the picture disc, actually, when the picture disc came out, was very reasonably priced as well, as I recall. In any case, Metallica did these two songs, Last Caress and Green Hell, kind of merged them together with a very tiny break in between. And I really dug both of those songs. It was music. um, I hadn't really heard anything quite like it and uh, really dug it. Of course, I'm hearing the Metallica twist on it. So um, my brother and I, after we moved to Colorado, we were up in Denver and we went to a record store. I'm pretty sure it was called Wax Tracks. And uh, found a couple of Misfits albums. Of course, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, so we had to really pick and choose what we wanted. So uh, my brother, I think, bought the collection. And uh, now this, I don't know if this was the same trip that we were going to see Three Dog Night play at a park. There was a free show they were supposed to be doing at a park up there. Um, I have a feeling it was the same day as that. We never saw Three Dog Night. Never. I don't know whether we didn't find the park or whether they weren't playing or what it was. But in any case come back home, listen to this collection, love it. Now huge Misfits fans, and we've got to get the whole, uh, you know, their whole catalog. So um, yeah, this this was really cool. The versions that Metallica did um, were somewhat different. Like Last Caress is a lot more bluesy and uh, almost Elvis-like in in some ways. In fact, Glenn, is, uh, Glenn Dazig, the singer, is very, very heavily influenced by Elvis. He's actually playing here, I think, next month at the Tropicana doing uh, the songs of Elvis, which is really weird. Um, But I think he's got a good voice for it. You know, Um, that could uh, I I could hear that sounding good. Visually, it's going to be kind of weird, but musically, I could hear that that working. So we've got 20 songs on this collection. That's the history that I had with the Misfits Um, Then went on to uh, Samhain and uh, a little bit of Danzig. I kind of I, I kind of lost interest when he started getting a little more uh, polished and commercial sounding. I really like this stuff because it's like recorded in his basement on four track. They were pressing the albums themselves, doing the artwork, everything like they were the ultimate underground band that did, uh, you know, they made their own stickers. They, they did it all. And, uh, and I really, really dig the fact that it's not polished sound. I think for punk music, that really works well as, as Glenn has gone on he's, you know, gotten bigger budgets and worked in nicer studios and things like that. Like the, the music sounds really good. Don't get me wrong, but I like this raw sounding stuff for punk music. It just really works for me. And when it gets too polished, it kind of takes away some of that feeling, you know, some of that, that, um, we're fighting to make this as good as it can be on a tiny budget. And we're staying up all night to do it kind of feel that I I really like from this music. So uh, a lot of these songs are pretty short. I'm just going to play little clips of them as I usually do. The first one is called She. Thank you. 
Now, that's just about a minute of the song. The whole thing is actually only a minute and 22. So you heard a good majority of the song. I love the guitar sound. Um, I like the bass cutting through. Not perfectly mixed, but you know what? For this being like a basically a four-track recording, sounds really good, I have to say. Um, love Glenn's voice on it. Um, a lot of the songs, they just they don't have a lot of lyrics. They're really short, but they're cool songs. They're just like little fun bursts of music. And uh, and I really dig that. I've always liked this one. There's a really nice organ version actually on the uh, the Misfits box set. Comes in a coffin. I think there was four CDs. Um, I'm actually working off of my ripped version from the CD box set that I bought. So I'm not working off of the CD of the collection. So the I don't I think they were remastered for the box set. So these might sound a little bit different. Um, than they did on the actual collection. Um, the artwork for the collection is like um, a big uh, green skull. I think it's, you know, fairly zoomed into a, a certain part. It's really kind of a, a weird cover. It's not uncommon for them to use the Crimson Ghost on their album cover, um, which is the the logo that people most associate with the Misfits on their t-shirts and all that stuff. Um, Samhain had a similar uh, kind of uh, thing, but it was more of a, a demon um, which I, I also like, like uh, almost in the shape of a uterus, which was kind of strange. Um, but anyway, that was She, one of my favorite songs. Love that one. This song is a little bit longer. This <laughs> this uh, reaches a whole two minutes and 20 seconds. This one is Hollywood Babylon. Who came on? You know, listening to this, um, I can kind of understand or, um, you know, envision him singing Elvis songs a little bit better. Um, yeah, this one's a, a cool one. It feels like a more full song. It feels like it has more of a full story to it. Um, there's not a lot of solos with this band, by the way. It's mostly riffs and passages with vocals over them. And uh, and I like that. There's no real pressure on the the instruments to you know produce something individual for every song. It's like we've just got some really good riffs. We're in and out. Um, you can uh, you can listen to an album in a fairly short time, but you get a lot of enjoyment. You feel like you've heard a lot of stuff because you've heard a lot of riffs in a short amount of time. It's um, it's a lot different, you know, um, getting used to punk music. Uh, I, I'm still kind of zoned in on it only with this band because when it came to Samhain, the songs got a little bit longer and um, more, uh, I get, I, well, they feel longer anyway, and they feel more like rich and, and fuller songs. Um, could just be my imagination. I, I suppose that's always possible. But our next song up is called Bullet, and this one was written about the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> Kennedy shot her head in concrete 
Yeah, this is a, a really fun one musically, really upbeat, um, got a couple of cool pattern switches in it. Um, vocally, Glenn is on fire on the song. I mean, he is just singing full force. I feel like his his you know his lungs are are pushing against his rib cage. He's forcing that sound so hard. Um, I've always really liked this one. Um, it's probably their most controversial song because you know it, it does deal with the Kennedy assassination, but it's really more about what he wants to do with Jackie and uh, that sort of thing. Um, really weird lyrically, but you know, punk is pretty unleashed and um, not surprising. While a lot of their uh, music is is based on like fifties uh, B horror movies and sci-fi and that sort of thing. Um, some horror, you know, as, as well, cause there was like, um, you know, uh, like night of the living dead and stuff like that. Um, every once in a while they would come out with something that was a little more political. And this was one of them. And of course this was released as a single, um, graphically really designed to elicit a response. I, I remember the single was a, the cover was a picture of, uh, John F. Kennedy in the car with the, I think he was smiling, like when he was waving to the crowd passing by, but part of, uh, you know, the bullet had struck him while he was smiling in the picture. It was, it was very, very graphic. Um, you know, I, you guys know how I feel about visuals needing to represent music. Um, this is a case where people, I, I could see, you know, certain people trying to ban it, which of course, whenever that happens, it gets more attention. And that can actually be a benefit to the band, especially if they're an underground band looking to seek some kind of publicity. I don't know. I, I just care about the song. You know, I don't really care about the politics and all of that. I just enjoy the song as it is musically. It's a really good journey, a lot of fun and um, some really good riffs. So there is that. Uh, our next song is called Horror Business, and this is one that would be redone by Samhain later on. As far as I know, um, this one is about the movie Psycho. Uh, that's what it was inspired by. Um, I, I honestly don't know if I've seen that entire movie or not. I'm pretty sure I have a long time ago. I know I've seen certain parts of it. Um, I love the Psycho Suite. That's a, a favorite um, piece of, of music of mine. Um, but uh, yeah, so this song is about that. And um, it's got, again, you know, a couple cool riffs, some really good backing vocals and uh, just a, another very strong song. I can see why they selected um, these particular songs for this collection. Really shows off the variety and the power of what this band was. Um, every once in a while, they still get together. Um, there, there is a version that has continued on without Glenn, who basically it was kind of his band, the way that I understand it. 
Um, but they've gotten a, a new singer and a couple of different people and they've continued on, but every once in a while he gets back together and does shows with them. Um, which is pretty cool. You know, I think, um, anyway, so that was, uh, that was horror business. Our next one goes more to the sci-fi movie. I'm not sure. I don't know a lot of the movies that they sang about. I don't, I wasn't a big fan of fifties movies in general. So, um, I'm not familiar with many of them. This one is called Teenagers from Mars. This song is a lot of fun. It is such a great riff. Um, again, uh, some really nice backing vocals and um, really powerful uh, vocals from Glenn. I have to really wonder, especially when he was first starting out performing this with this band, what it was like to sing. I mean, the endurance that you would need to have to get through a show because, you know, they're playing the songs faster and he's probably, you know, with the adrenaline, he's probably pushing his voice even more than he did in the studio and I really have to wonder what that was like for him um, to get through a show in the beginning until he built that uh, that endurance. Or maybe they did used to practice for long hours and he was just that good at it. Um, he just had such a great voice for this kind of music. And um, this is definitely, you know, one of my uh, one of my favorite songs. Actually, all these songs on the collection are, to be honest. Um, there's really only a couple of songs by them that I don't really listen to a whole lot. And they're ones that came to me. Only after I got the box set, uh, "Cough Cool" would be one of them. It's it's a cool song, probably one of my least favorite. Uh, "Rat Fink" is is one one of the only songs they ever did that I just don't like. Um, and when I say ever did, I, I haven't heard the new band I'm talking about in the uh, in the Danzig era. Uh, "Rat Fink" I just don't care for, but uh, pretty much all the other songs I, I really dig. Um, that's uh, out of all the tracks they did to only you know really not be a huge fan of two of them. Um, is pretty good, pretty good, way better odds than I'm getting with on backtracks Aerosmith revisited. That's for sure. Um, so our next song is all about the movie night of the living dead and it's called night of the living dead.
Yeah, this is a, a I mean, it's like every one of these songs is, is just a party. You know, it, they're, they've got a great tempo for them. Um, really upbeat, the vocals uh, and backing vocals, everything just sounds like they're, they're just having a blast. And I love that. Um, subject matter, it, it's weird because a lot of the lyrics, I could never understand what he was saying. And, you know, back before we had the internet and, you know, I shouldn't even say the internet, I should say back before the internet was filling up. Because, you know, when the internet came out, it was pretty sparse. There wasn't a lot of stuff out there. And uh, it took time to develop. It was once I got the box set and it had the lyrics in it, there's still a couple that I wasn't sure were correct because it just didn't sound like what he was saying. Um, but uh, for the most part, uh, you could kind of go back then and start appreciating everything that Glenn was doing and, um, you know, the, the intellect that he actually has in the writing. Because a lot of times, you know, if you don't know what he's saying, you can't understand how intelligent it is, Right. Uh, it just it it comes down to the way that I usually view the voice, which is more of an instrument and how it sounds blending in with the music as opposed to the specific message that the song is trying to convey, whether it's a story, um, something that they want us to think about, you know, anything like that. Um, I just don't really pay attention to lyrics that much anymore. And this might have been the kind of thing that kind of set me on that path. It was really Cirque du Soleil that maybe just almost entirely drop listening to words altogether, um, because I just got so used to their lyrics being gibberish. But even with this stuff, like there's so much of it that I, I would would have wanted to sing along to. And I just couldn't because I had no idea what the hell he was saying. Um, some of the other songs, for sure, I, I could or at least get the, the majority of. But some songs like this one, I just couldn't even make them out at the time. Gotten much better about it uh, over the years. But at the time, it was, you know, just give up. <laughs> So uh, that was Night of the Living Dead. Our next song is uh, one that's a little more well-known from them. This is called Where Eagles Dare. That was really good timing where that clip hit a minute. Um, that line is one of my favorite lines in any song or anything I've ever read. The omelet of disease awaits your noontime meal. That is just fantastic. I love that line. I've always loved that line. Um, really classic stuff. But this is, a, a, you know, it, it's it's like a, a lot of the other songs that I've already talked about. It It's got a great tempo. It feels really good you can tell they're just having fun. They're just enjoying what they're doing. And it's really showing up in the music. And the guitar sounds that they're getting, I love the level of distortion. It's it's really thick, but it's not fuzzy. You know, when it gets fuzzy, it can sound, you know, a little bit messy and, and you can't really make it out a lot, but it's got a good level of distortion. It sounds heavy, 
but it's not um, oversaturated or fuzzy. Like I really, really love the sound that they got on this album. That snare is cutting through, not hearing a ton of bass drum. Um, I know he plays it. I've listened to some of their live tracks and there's definitely more bass drum in these songs than what we're hearing. That's the one thing I would say that's really not cutting through that well. Um, But everything else uh, I can hear very clearly. I always say that with the caveat of if I can't hear it, how would I know it was there and I couldn't hear it? That's... um, it's a fair assessment, I think. So um, our next song is called Vampira, and this is actually written about the character of Vampira, who is a real person. Um, there was a uh, a big controversy when Elvira came out um, that she was based on Vampira and, you know, lawsuits and all this stuff. Vampira was literally a very, very thin woman. Um, who is, if you, if you watch some of the B movies, um, trying to think of that movie that John, Johnny Depp was in, um, Ed Wood, that Ed Wood made like plan nine from outer space and stuff that you'll know who I'm talking about, or you can just, you know, Google Vampira, V-A-M-P-I-R-A. It's, it's, uh, it's just that easy these days because now we have the internet. What a thing. Anyway, here's a little bit of Vampira. I said that because she's small. This is another really short song. It weighs in at a minute and 21 seconds. And um, that's why there's 20 songs on this album, <laughs> you know? Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's cool. It's it's um, very passionate. You know, you you feel that he really appreciates this, uh, this character. And um, yeah, I, I don't know what more there is to say about it. Again, just great riffs, a great feeling. Um, it's so hard to talk about these songs individually because I honestly feel like my description for them is, very similar from song to song because they all have the same qualities and characteristics. It's just a different subject matter and a different set of, of riffs. You know, they're, they're all within a similar tempo range, um, at least so far for the most part. And, um, yeah, one song or another, it's, it's basically feedback wise. They're, they're individual songs, but my feedback on them is basically the same from song to song. So if it feels like this, um, episode is going by quickly. It, uh, well, it probably is. We're getting through a lot because I'm just going to keep repeating myself. Um, our next song is called I Turned Into a Martian. This one is all the way up to a minute and 44. So brace yourself.
Yeah, I really would love to have been a, a fly on the wall and see some of these songs get constructed. Um, I don't know if they were riffs first or vocals first or, you know, some sort of combination thereof. But um, in any case, they're they're great. I just it's so weird to me to think, you know, how short these songs are. I mean, so many of them are under two minutes long. And yet when they're over, I feel I don't I don't feel shorted. You know, it's such a bizarre thing for me. I don't understand it because normally I'd be like, well, I mean, the song's got to be like three, three and a half minutes at least for me to feel satisfied. But no, I mean, they're doing it in like a minute and 20 seconds. It's really kind of unbelievable. I mean, they're up-tempo in and out songs and I get that, but I don't feel like I'm lacking for anything when they're over. And I, I still can't quite wrap my head around why that is. But that was I Turned Into a Martian, really uh, another favorite, uh, an absolutely fantastic song. And that brings us to Skulls. Yeah, this one, um, there's a version on the box set, I think it is, that because uh, I have another, like the 12 Hits from Hell, which was other like uh, demo recordings. But um, there's a version of it that fades out. And and thinking about that, when it made me realize that very few of their songs ever faded out. I mean, they were start, stop, um, had definite endings, which probably made, uh, you know, performing them live very easy because they didn't have to come up or memorize new endings. Um, they were a very straightforward band and uh, you don't find that often. I'm finding, you know, with, with the music that I listen to with like Uriah Heep and Deep Purple, those bands typically end songs often um, as opposed to, you know, back in the, in the eighties when pretty much everything just faded out, <laughs> you know, it just went on and on. Um, but yeah, so in, at this time, the Misfits were very much uh, pronounced ending songs and um, you know, that's, that's actually pretty cool. Our next song is called London Dungeon, and I very much suspect that this is about the Tower of London, um, where there's a lot of tortures and um, believe um, just a lot of horrible things and supposedly one of the most haunted locations on the planet, which would make sense if a lot of horrible things happened, I suppose. Um, you know, um, I, I'd like to uh, see where there's like happy spirits that just like hang out on a beach because they enjoyed going to the beach when they were alive. But it's usually, you know, I don't know if maybe just nobody's ghost hunting the beach or anything like that. And we don't see that. They typically go towards places where there's like violence and torture or unhappiness or something like that um, seems to be where the collective is. But maybe they're just not looking in the right place. Now I want to go ghost hunting at Newport Beach. That's how I am. So if anyone who does that, let me know. I'd love to know what your results are, especially if you have a thermal cam. That could be a lot of fun. So here's a little bit of London Dungeon.
You can definitely tell the production is different on this one. The sound is a little bit cleaner. Uh, Glenn's voice is um, standing out a little bit differently. It has more reverb on it. Um, Definitely feels like a different uh, recording time and location, but it sounds really good. Um, Slower tempo song, great bass line. I love the bass sound on this. Just got a a real edge to it, you know, Um, and I'm sure he's playing with a pick on top of that to give it, you know, that crispier sound. But um, this one's fun. It's a it's a slower one, which we haven't heard uh, much of from them up to this point. And uh, a little more feeling, a little more um, kind of helplessness, I think, coming from the vocal on this one, which uh, I really like. Instead of uh, telling the story, he's kind of inside of it. You know, he's the one that's, that's um, sort of telling his own story, it feels like. But a cool song. Um, we get a lot of those stops like that kind of thing that they do, uh, that short machine gun burst. Um, we saw that a little bit and I turned into a Martian, um, just that dent, 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 a little slower. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. It's a very common, uh, trait for their music. Something that certainly was making them very identifiable. Um, our next song is called Ghoul's Night Out. Sounds like a party. Again, much like London Dungeon, this one feels like it was recorded um, probably in the same session or same sessions at the same studio. Um, you can hear the, the bass drum a lot better, too. It's really dead. Um, you know, there's there's not a lot of boom on it. It's pretty flat, but that works for this kind of music. But but you need to feel it. You need to feel that in your chest, especially live. I would imagine that that's something that that bass drum is something they really push through the PA. Um, but yeah, this is, this is a fun one, um, slightly slower tempo than some of the others that we've heard. Um, definitely feel it's more of a story, but I I love the way that they sing these themes with as much passion as somebody would, uh, like recanting a true story or a love song or something like that. I mean, you really feel the reality in these songs by the way that they're performed. And, and I love that. I also love that they don't have to be perfect, you know, like, um, I don't know how he does it now, but, you know, bands today, you know, having to clean up every little thing that's imperfect or, you know, that's not timed right or whatever, they have to slide it all into position and, um, just taking the humanity out of the performance. I like that there's just 
a, a feeling of it being live and, and alive. Um, so important, especially with music like this, the fact that they can produce it with imperfections and you know what, uh, we played it, we recorded it. There you go. That's what you're getting kind of feel. Um, it does sound a bit polished, which, which is okay. It's not crossing that line of, um, you know, real supreme production sound. It feels very on par with the earlier sounds, songs on the album, but it, it also feels just a little bit cleaner than some of the other ones telling me it was a different session, different setup, um, possibly a different room. But, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's fine. So next up is another one of my favorites. This one's called Astro Zombies. This is another one that's just an, an absolutely fun song. I know it's one that they would do live quite a bit. I mean, God, they could play for an hour and do probably 25 songs easily. Um, pretty amazing song, though. Um, it, it just has a great feel to the beat. Again, another you know typical up-tempo song for them. Nice, chunky guitars. Um, really good backups. Just it has all the elements of a great Misfit song. And that brings us to probably one of their most well-known, um, at least among people that I know that are fans of this band. And this one's called Mommy, Can I Go Out and Kill Tonight? That's another trend that I've seen within this band is hitting the crash symbol on the one on every single measure uh, during certain parts, which is, you know, it's fine. Uh, just another stylistic choice. Um, here, the symbols kind of um, really stands out because it's, it's a lot more upfront in the mix. But uh, this is another fun song. I've never seen anything official on what inspired this, but I have to wonder if it isn't the movie Psycho. It, uh, you know, they've already got horror business, but it seems like um, it seems like this kind of fits that, you know, asking the mom for permission. And um, yeah, I don't know, just seems right to me. So um, if you know, 
let me know. I'd be curious. Our next song is one of my all-time favorite Misfit songs. Um, it's a little bit different from the rest of them. It it um, it kind of stands out to me because of something in the production, and we'll get to that after we hear the clip. And here is a little bit of Die, Die, My Darling, which actually coming after Mommy Can I Go Out and Kill Tonight, then Die, Die, My Darling, that fits. Coming in at three minutes and 11 seconds, uh, it's a little bit longer, a little more structured of a song. Um, definitely has like a, you know, verse chorus feel to it. But it's that little, just that dun, 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 that higher pitch guitar note that really grips me on this song. Otherwise, I think it would just be a great Misfit song on its own. But that one little thing just kind of sets it apart from every other Misfit song because it's got something that's really unique to this song. It's not just a great riff, a good beat, you know, that sort of thing. Um, very cool. I, I really dig this one. Metallica redid this one on one of their albums. I think it was on, I don't know if it was Load or Reload or which one, but I heard it. And and honestly, I didn't like it because it was missing that guitar note. It was, it was a fine performance. Um, I liked the way James sang it. I liked it musically, except for that one thing that really defined the song was missing. So um, I never went back and listened to it again. I'll give it another chance one of these days. But um, without that, it's like it's that's such a signature part of the song. Why would you not have it in there, especially when you're a guitar based band and you've got two guitarists? I don't know. It didn't really make a lot of sense to me, but uh, good effort anyway. But yeah, that's one of my favorite um, Misfit songs for sure. Our next song up is called Earth A.D. As in after death or at dominoes, whatever it is. Oh, 
So here's another example of hitting that crash on the one of every measure. Um, really good beat, just boom, tap, boom, tap, boom, tap. Um, really like that. You could feel that uh, accent on the hi-hats building up before he hits the crash, then it starts over and builds up, and then he hits the crash. Because um, those last couple hits before he moves his hand over to the right or hit a little harder, so there's a little more of an accent there. This does feel like it has a little bit more of a structure to it, but it's only two minutes and nine seconds, so it goes by fast. Um, but it feels like there's a lot of song there. It, it's interesting. I don't feel like I'm shortchanged at all with the uh, with the speed of these songs. It's um, I shouldn't say speed. Like I don't mean speed and tempo, but uh, how quickly the uh, songs are over. Um, really amazing. I, I don't know how they pull that off. To be honest, that's uh, quite unique to me. Um, just a few more tracks to go. Our next song is called Devil Lock. One word, Devil Lock. I think that's the thing that they do with their hair. That one. A uh, bit that comes down over the top of their forehead and curls up. I believe that is a devil lock. have to say this is one song I actually do feel a little bit shortchanged on. Uh, not because it's only a minute and 26 seconds, but because I feel like something bigger could have been done with this piece. It's pretty cool. It comes right in. It's got a great tempo of that good chunky kind of riff, but it just feels like this could have been part of like a bigger piece, maybe uh, one section of a, of a suite or something like that. I don't know. It, it just, this is one I definitely feel that um, is kind of a missed opportunity. I don't know. Um, I don't know what inspired it. I don't know where it came from or why they did it the way they did it. But yeah, this this could have been something much bigger. So I do feel a bit of a loss on this one. However, our next track is called Death Comes Rippin'. So that's kind of another signature of theirs where they do the uh, crashes on the three and four of every measure. Um, I, I know there's a couple other songs, at least, that they've done that in, but it's a pretty cool pattern. Uh, I, I really like it. really defines 
um, it, it really just gives the song a, a unique accent, which I really like. Um, Glenn's voice is a little bit in the background on this one. Um, that could have been a little more up front, but uh, overall, it's it's pretty good. It's a very powerful song. Uh, another one that comes in and out, minute and 54 seconds, but uh, really cool nonetheless. And that brings us to our track that was the um, one of the two that Metallica covered that got me interested in the band in the first place. Not Last Caress, but this one is called Green Hell. Metallica's version of this was pretty close, actually. Um, James Hetfield's voice is a lot more uh, grainy sounding than Glenn's. Glenn's voice is a lot smoother. So that was really the big difference. But musically, it's probably just a little faster, but um, very on par with this version. Whereas Last Caress, um, I really feel like Last Caress is is um, a very different version that Metallica did um, compared to The Misfits. But that's not on this album. I'm sure we'll get to that somewhere else when I do one of the other reviews. But this one is is really good. It's got another one of my favorite lines in it. You've come to like this. No one could. I just think that's so powerful. Um, It could mean a lot of things depending on the context. Um, But uh, yeah, that is a cool line. I really dig that. But I really like this song. I like both versions of it very much. Um, I, I thought... I remember when I first heard the Misfits version, finally, after hearing Metallica's and, and getting to know it really well, I thought, wow, this is a little bit slower, not quite as heavy as Metallica's. But I have to remember, I heard Metallica's first, not what they used to create their version. So, you know, I, I always say the one that you like the best is going to be typically the one that you hear first. Um, and while that is the case, I probably like Metallica's a little bit better. I really like this version um, just the same. It's a very, very cool song. And I could see why Metallica would want to cover it. It's also got that dun 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 with the uh, with the crash symbols uh, as well. Again, following that, you know, that interesting crash patterns that this band seemed to develop that became very much a staple of their sound. Um, I'm sure there's other bands that have done it. I don't know of any outside of punk. I don't even think Samhain really did a lot of that. I'll have to go back and listen to, but their songs were more structured um, in different ways. So I, there wasn't, unless they were covering a Misfit song like they did a couple, um, there wasn't a lot of room for that. It was a completely different sounding band. Um, so that brings us to our very last track on this collection, track 20, Wolf's Blood. Yeah! 
This is another one I have to say I do feel a little bit cheated on. I think it could have been part of something bigger. It just comes in as if the song's already going and we're just like tuning into the radio in the middle of it. I don't feel like it really had a beginning. It could have started with something a little bit uh, more dramatic or they could have linked a couple of these songs together the way like Metallica did Last Caress and Green Hell and made it a bigger piece. Um, but, you know, when you think about it, and and their albums typically had a, a lot more songs on them, like this collection has 20 songs back, you know, at this time, that was kind of a lot. But you're also talking a much smaller number of total minutes because these songs are so short. I mean, really, at an average of two minutes per song, you're really only looking at 40 minutes for this album, which um, probably is more on par with like albums from the 70s. You know, rock albums were maybe around that time. So I don't know. It, it's um, it's it's a lot more thought, though. A lot more creativity has to go in that because when you're when you're doing eight or nine songs, you have to come up with X number of riffs and, and passages and changes and things like that. When you've got 20 songs, that's 20 riffs at least. And your songs are probably going to have at least two different parts to them. So you're looking at more like 40 riffs. There's just a lot more that has to go into those shorter songs to keep them interesting. Unless you're doing one like this, where it's pretty much just in and out the same thing straight through. Like, here's our idea. We turned it into a song. Boom, there you go. And there's a couple like that, you know, like I mentioned. But um, apart from that, like, it's so much more work to write shorter songs because you just have to come up with that many more ideas to fill up an album. So it works for them, though. And, and live, it gives them the opportunity to just do short bursts, take a break, because they, when they played live, they hit it hard. I mean, the songs are much faster and they're they're heavier. They're you just feel like Glenn is his lungs are going to pop out of his throat when he's singing. So th their shows are a lot more intense. So it gave them an opportunity to just do like a short burst, take a slight rest, short burst, take a slight rest, and get through those performances because they were so intense. Um, if you get the box set, you get some. Uh, I think you get Evil Live with that. I don't really. I, I don't like listening to live albums a whole lot, as, as I've discussed many times on this show and my other show, Uriah Heap, the Magicians Podcast. But um, when I, I I've listened to Evil Live a couple of times, and I can say it is vastly different from the way that they would record. The songs are are like times ten. So. Um, there's there's a lot of intensity to that. Um, for me, I think being there would be a big deal, but listening to it live, um, it's out of context. It's hard to follow. It's kind of too. I'm not in the moment with them, so I I'm not a big fan of the live albums. Uh, with Sound, it's a little bit different because their songs are not um, just pounding like that. They're more performed, and uh, I I'm still not a big fan of listening to the live stuff. But there's a, a live uh, some live footage in their box set as well. Uh, that one also came with a videotape, a VHS. And I don't know if they ever reissued the box set where it came out with like a DVD or anything, but um, it was kind of grainy. I mean, obviously, you know, there there was no professional filming of any of those shows, but um, it was interesting to see. But again, not something that I typically go back to. In fact, when I put both of these box sets on my iPod, um, I deleted all the live stuff because I knew I wasn't going to listen to it. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm just not a big fan of, of um, you know, recorded live music for the most part. I am going to cover a couple of live albums on the show, but not not a lot, not even a lot of live uh, individual tracks, just uh, not a lot of it there for me. So uh, anyway, that's our show for this episode. I hope that you guys liked it. There will be more Misfits reviews down the line as I've still got uh, a couple more albums to go. 
I have to take a look at the collection number two because those songs might all be redundant to what I'm covering through the albums. Like when I get to Earth AD, I already did Legacy of Brutality, which is probably my favorite Misfits album, or I should say the one that I listen to the most. But um, yeah, there's good stuff out there, guys. Uh, Really good punk music. And I love that despite all their differences and the fighting and all the stuff over the years that uh, they still get back together and perform every once in a while. I think that's pretty cool. I wish more bands could do that. That would be nice, but not always the case, unfortunately. But I will see you guys next week for another show. Uh, I'm recording this one kind of early, about a month ahead. So I don't know if there will be a Saturday show at this point or not, but there will be a show next week. Have a great week, guys. Cheers. (laughs) 